Hey, we're just about to jump into the episode, but before we do, did you know we have a junior-friendly Discord community? It's completely free to join. If you want to join us, the link is in the description. We'd love to have you. All right, enjoy the episode. All right, in this episode, we're going to be going over what a developer relations engineer is and how to become one. Um, and again, I can, want to continue exposing a lot of these other tech and coding related positions that are, you know, kind of outside traditional like front end, back end development, just to give people an idea of what's out there, right? You can use your coding, you can use your technical skills to land you a lot of well-paying positions in tech. Um, so in this one, we're going to dive into what being a developer relations engineer is like. So I invited Tarek, who is one currently. Um, I do appreciate you because I think you're you were kind of trying to schedule this um, as best as you could throughout your week. So I appreciate you being flexible, but welcome. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Um, okay. So I guess let's dive into kind of who you are. Do you want to talk a little bit about your background and what got you into becoming a developer relations engineer? Yeah, sure. So I'm Tarek. Um, I'm a developer relations engineer at a fintech company called Dwala right now. And before this, I was a technical coach at um, a coding bootcamp called Flatiron School. Um, and before that, I was also a student at Flatiron School. Um, and prior to that as well, I actually did start off um, getting a degree in computer science from um, CUNY system in New York from Queens College. However, um, ended up dropping out and going to a boot camp and ended up here. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you, when you went to Flatiron School, were you initially wanting to, to become a software engineer? Yeah. So I was, you know... There was not a lot of light around these engineering adjacent positions. So, yeah, I did go in um, with the intent to become either a front end or back end software engineer. Okay. Um, so, why developer relations? So, after doing some research on the position, because when I was going through a job search, I did notice the position was popping up a lot. Um, Google was hiring developer relations engineers, Amazon, Facebook, Stripe, and a bunch of other startups. And after doing some research on the position, it turns out it's something more along the lines of what I would have wanted to do. So instead of just focusing on programming all day, developer relations engineers also work hand in hand with marketing and um, with the engineering teams and create content around the products that engineering builds. So is it, so you're definitely more focused on the technical side um, and creating technical documentation. Yes. Yeah, so part of the role is creating um, technical documentation and maintaining um, SDKs and um, creating blog posts and videos for around the product. Okay. So you create content that's user facing as well. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, why? <laughs> so what, so why focus on actually, let me ask you this. Um, why don't you want to focus on programming all day? It's a good change of pace switching from programming to content. Um, pretty much at will. 
Um, it leads to, I guess it leads to less burnout that way. And the context switching kind of have you deep dive more into the product just because you're spending more time with it um, because you're creating content, understanding the nitty gritties of it and whatnot. Huh. Okay. I mean, as a, as a software engineer, I definitely enjoyed getting interrupted. Um, I liked breaking my day out for sure. So I'm definitely not someone that can just, that wants to code for seven hours straight every day. Do you feel like you have to, I guess, what departments do you usually interact with, um, to figure out like what content and documentation you have to create? Yeah, so that's another great part about being a developer relations engineer is we interact with a lot of departments. So the ones I interact with mostly is marketing and engineering, but we also have a pulse on our developer community more than any other team because, um, you know, that's pretty much who we're creating content for, creating these SDK for and um, whatnot. So I would say about 70% of our interaction is with engineering, another 30% with marketing. But of course, every company handles developer relations slightly different. It's not necessarily a well-defined role, like, you know. I noticed that um, because I actually, it's weird saying this because it's still currently a recording, but I'm going, I talked to someone else that's in, um, his title was like developer advocate. And I Mm -hmm. feel like, he explained that there's tons of variations among this type of position. Um, Yeah. What keeps you there? What do you enjoy about it? Where I work tends to be very flexible and I get to have a lot of ownership of the work that I do. So I enjoy that a lot. Um, There's guidance, but never pushing. And yeah, what keeps me here, basically, I, I like being close to the action, sort of say. And again, having that pulse on our developer community, like what they want, what they need, um, gives the DevRel teams a lot of input on both the marketing side and even the product side outside of our teams. So there's definitely a lot of ownership in the, in the roles of DevRel and, um, you know, a lot of cross-team communication which is, is nice to have um, because in standard software engineering, you know, there's never really much talking with marketing and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, again, I guarantee you some of my uh, team members were annoyed because I'd always want to talk to departments <laughs> I didn't need to talk to. But I, I liked, yeah. I think it's really interesting. I'm someone that's multifaceted and I am mm-hmm. interested in a lot of different things and departments and uh, different uh, pieces of a business and how it operates. Um, I, I mean, that's why this kind of position kind of seems attractive to me specifically, but you know, going to a coding bootcamp, you're spending a lot of money. How much was Flatiron? Flatiron when I attended was 15,000 for the full-time bootcamp that I attended. Okay. I believe the price that was two years ago. So it definitely went up. I don't know the current pricing though. Okay. Mm-hmm. With their focus on software engineering, do you feel like for your current position, you're now over prepared technical wise? 
technical wise, I would say I'm just enough prepared. Um, you know, there's only so much you can teach somebody within three to four months of a boot camp enough to get a job. And then, you know, the remainder gets learned as you go. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say that the boot camp is worth it for people looking at it as a career path or a career change. For dev relations specifically. So the catch with DevRel is you still have to know how to program very well. Um, so yeah, it does give you that that skill set. Um, so yeah, I would say it's still definitely worth it. Are there any other skill sets that you recommend people pick up if they want to get into that? Yeah, definitely. It doesn't hurt creating content. Um, and this can be any kind of content, um, video content, blog posts, social media posts, things along those lines. Good thing is a lot of people do have this skill set without even realizing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, having that skill set is important in DevRel just because you are um, externally facing a lot. Um, but yeah, other than that, communication skills are really important because you are communicating with other teams that might not necessarily have technical skills. And you have to, for example, communicate with marketing, um, how to market these these products that are highly technical, such as like Dwala, we have a sophisticated account to account payment API, you know? Um, so definitely how to communicate technical concepts to a variety of audiences um, is important as well. So you, it almost sounds like um, you also need to get better, not you specifically, but just get better with explaining technical concepts to non-technical people as well. Do you yeah. find that challenging? Yes, that is the hardest part of like, not the programming, not the creating content. The hardest part of the job is explaining technical concepts to non-technical people. Okay. I love um, it. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of software engineers anyways. Yeah. Um, what kind of content did you create? to get this position? So I had a technical blog before starting this position, which I had no intent of going into developer relations. I just had the technical blog because I actually did enjoy um, putting out like tutorials and different content related to um, technical concepts. So that's one of the reasons why when I found developer relations, I realized like, oh, this is more up my alley rather than again, coding eight hours a day. Um, but of course, again, being part of developer relations, you are still spending a, a decent portion of your day programming, reading code examples, things along those lines, um, and creating supporting code around the core product, such as SDKs. Um, so you are still honing that skill, but you're also honing your, your technical communication skills as well. Do you communicate a lot with users? The DevRel team does. So me specifically, I do spend time definitely um, communicating with users, but um, we do have forums and other ways of communicating with um, our developer community. 
but the team does. Yeah. Okay. I guess this is more of a selfish question too, because I guess I'm just really curious about this. When you get a developer relations position, um, I've definitely heard other people with this position mention that like, well, they were already content creators. Right. And I think that's something that did give them a little boost in the interview. Um, mm-hmm. But I've also heard concerns about like maintaining the rights to your own content. Do you, are you aware of like companies trying to kind of, I guess just push that boundary a little bit and try to gain some ownership of it? Like do, do companies feel, I guess, entitled to your, content while you're at that company yeah so this is definitely a conversation that should be had at the interview stage for developer relations roles and it there should be a clear boundary um i have heard those same stories where companies try to own the the content of the um the developer relations employee but there should be a clear boundary between your personal social media accounts versus the companies. And there should be a clear boundary between content you create for the company or content you create on your own. So um, it is, that does happen, which you just mentioned, but it should be a conversation and an expectation that's set at the interviewing steps. Okay. I like that. That's really Mm -hmm. good advice. Yeah. How do Um, you, Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just going to mention. Yeah. So for example, the company should have like a, a specific Twitter account for the developer relations team um, where that's where those social posts go and whatnot. So there's always should be a clear cut there. Yeah. That's just one example of it though. No, I like that um, because I think even when you give suggestions, like even for software engineers, um, there are some states that don't protect software engineers that will build yeah. projects in their own time with their own mm-hmm. resources, right? And I think even just understanding what to look out for in the contract, um, where it does split those boundaries is important. And like you said, you know, essentially maybe that contract should state like the company's social media handles and the content created within that. That's probably like, I'm not an attorney, talk to an attorney, but that, you know, probably something to, to look out for in that contract. I, I, I always feel like even when I would go to developer interviews, I'd get the, um, the acceptance letter or the offer letter. And I always felt like I never had the contract explained well enough. And even when I would ask about a specific clause, I think even some companies, they just outsource those contracts to attorneys and they don't even fully understand them either. And so yeah. I don't know. I, I I just think contracts are really important to just make sure you understand everything fully. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. Um, luckily where i am there's there's no issues like that there's that that clear boundary does exist um but yeah it's definitely important to get help understanding your employment contracts especially in tech just because these employment contracts can be complicated with you know salary stock options then these little nuances with again what you can put on your own personal social media accounts and all that yeah yeah, absolutely. That's really good advice. You had mentioned that like your your focus really is to make sure the developer experience is great, right? But what's yeah. like what's your metric for that? How do you know? Yeah. 
So one of the most important metrics to measure for this is time to value, meaning Dwala sells an API product. So the customer are developers. And how long does it take for a developer to find our product, decide to use it, and have a MVP um, up and running? And if your time to value is relatively low, meaning like, let's say they can have a minimum viable product in 30 days, chances are you're having a really good developer experience. They're finding what they need in the documentation, in the external supporting content, or even other people in the developer community are are helping out um, that aren't necessarily related to dollar or dollar content. Um, So I think that's the most important metric to measure for that. Okay. That's, um, I mean, yeah, that essentially like focusing on that output, that's, that's interesting. So you don't really lean on, do you, do you post surveys for developers that you do? Yeah. So again, I think time to value is definitely most important and Mm -hmm. taking in feedback from surveys, um, and having open lines of communication between your developer um, community, such as like a Slack channel and things along those lines um, is important. Okay. I gotcha. All right. Um, That's interesting. I, do you, do you find there are any frustrating moments around creating documentation in your position? Can you think of any? Yeah. So whenever you have a product that is, you know, Dwell's product is fairly complicated. It's account to account payments. You have to not only deal with the issues of technology, but the legal issues of the whole banking system and all the the problems that comes with. So abstracting all of that away to API calls is difficult and can be frustrating, especially to developers who don't necessarily, it's important to think about the legal aspects of stuff, but don't necessarily think of it as like the most important aspect. Like how do you display balances to a customer? Um, Why can't it be real time? Things along these lines. Um, So I think the frustrating aspect is probably dealing with the industry itself in terms of like account to account payment and trying to combine it with technology. Gotcha. Yeah. Industry knowledge, uh, especially around um, industries that require like uh, tight knit security and protocols around user data, especially that can get Mm -hmm. frustrating for a lot of people. Yeah. I think the most annoying one is probably like healthcare with the HIPAA requirements. Mm -hmm. I, I don't envy those developers at all. They have a, a tough time. Yeah. I, I mean, thankfully, I wasn't on the back end team for my first position. Yeah. But we worked at like um, kind of you can order health services and we would set you up with the lab testing. And we had to deal with a lot of HIPAA compliance, even just mm-hmm. like, I mean, super strict protocols, um, knowing all the information that you can and can't even mention in Slack because it's not HIPAA compliant. And there are other yeah. chat features that are. Um, or maybe Slack is with like an enterprise feed. I don't know, but they said it wasn't. 
Um, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I get that. So, like, for your technical knowledge, do you feel like focusing a little bit more on back-end or front-end would benefit you in a developer relations position? Definitely back-end. Um, most of the code that I write circles around um, SDKs and sample projects related to these SDKs. Um, and again, I could be biased here because Dwala sells an API. So it's like, it, it is backend stuff at the end of the day. Um, sure. But yeah, definitely more backend for me. Okay. I gotcha. Um, okay. I mean, <laughs> to, to be honest, the way you describe it, it almost sounds like it's a harder to get into a developer relations position than a traditional software engineering position because the way I'm hearing it is like you still feel like you need a full coding boot camp to essentially get the technical skills, but you also need to work with multiple departments and be able to explain technical concepts to non-technical people, which you will do as a software engineer a little bit, but probably more as developer relations. And you also need to be able to write documentation. So you need to focus on writing. You're interacting with the users a lot more, which like, you know, product UX will probably take that role from software engineers. But you, you're kind of doing all of this. Do you feel like it's harder to get into your position than a traditional role? Ooh, that's a tough question. I would say they're on par with each other. Um, you do need to have a higher level of those so-called soft skills in developer relations versus standard software engineering. But in terms of the interview process that I went through and um, everything else, they're about the same and the requirements and whatnot. So I would say getting into them are the same level of difficulty i would even say the jobs themselves are the same level of difficulty it's just how they're split up um is what's different like how the day-to-day -day is split up okay um what was your interview process like for the dev role yeah so um applic application i'm just gonna go right through the process here sure. um you know, start off standard application where resume, cover letter, whatnot. Um, then it was a technical assessment. That was a take-home assessment followed by a, um, a technical interview and then a, like the other interview, the behavioral or, you know, the follow-up to the technical, not many technical questions asked, just more about you, scenarios, things you've worked on, projects, whatnot. And then that was, yeah, offer or no offer at that point. Okay. Um, okay, so you had a take-home and then a technical challenge when you got to the office or interview. Yeah. Okay. Don't, you know, we don't have to leak anything, but um, are you able to share anything about, like, the difference between the take-home and the technical challenge? what people should expect? Um, the take-home is definitely, I found that a little more challenging just because I'm assuming they, you know, the take-home, they're thinking you're going to spend a couple hours on it versus 45 minutes to an hour on the 
technical interview portion. But um, the good thing about my interview for my role was it didn't involve any of the those trick algorithm questions that have nothing to do with the job. They were actual questions about debugging, like node calls, as um, node fetch calls, and all that. And um, yeah, one of them was, if I remember correct, was about the OAuth two specifications. Um, how they debugging something with that as well. Okay. Interesting. They didn't, did they look at any of your content or um, give you any sort of like writing tests or? So no writing tests. They definitely did check out my content from before though. So I'm guessing that's why that wasn't included. They figured I already have writing content and checked it out. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Pro tip probably for DevRel interviews is um, if you do have a take-home assessment, I ended up like being doing like a little extra stuff and creating a YouTube video to describe it. Um, For a position that might go circle around content creation, stuff like that, that definitely um could help out a lot like going an extra step compared to other candidates i like that that's a nice pro tip yeah okay i i do appreciate that so i feel like you know because especially with the last interview i feel like yours is it sounds like yours is a lot more technical and you're doing a little bit more coding than my last interview but i could be wrong with that but it it does feel like a little bit more of an encompassing position that could have a variety of responsibilities depending on the company, depending on the product. Who do you, who do you think would even enjoy this position? Like what kind of person do you have to be to enjoy this position, to do well in it, to succeed in it? Yeah. I think anybody that would enjoy normal software engineering but wouldn't necessarily want to spend their whole day programming um, or focus on like, you know, coding all day long. Um, Somebody that enjoys programming for the most part and also does enjoy, um, like you said before, being interrupted to create content or to help an external developer solve a problem about the product that um, you're creating content around. Um, I think that context switching, again, it leads to less burnout and a deeper understanding of the products that you're you're ultimately building. I like that. Do you think you need to be interested in the product to get a dev role at that company? Yeah, you definitely do. Um, Again, you're you're spending a lot of time marketing the product, creating social posts, things along those lines. So understanding the product is needed because worst case is now you end up marketing a feature that actually doesn't exist or something along those lines, you know? Okay. But yeah. I like it. That's good feedback. Um I highly recommend people because I, I see people on LinkedIn or they even will post their blog posts on LinkedIn or YouTube videos on it. Like there are definitely 
people that love creating content and exploring the dev path. And this feels like a really cool combination to just blend those in. Um, if you enjoy both, um, I think it's a position you should consider. Do you feel like it's pretty accessible to entry level people? Yeah, I think so. I think the flexibility of the role makes it accessible to entry level just because again, your day isn't going to be programming all day long and you have flexibility to, to learn a little more and grow with it. Okay. Let me challenge that a bit. I've heard a few larger YouTubers that kind of talk in private chats um, that they mentioned it's not very entry level friendly and they usually suggest people become software engineers for maybe a year or two and then transfer over into that. Do you know of any reason why that might be the case? Yeah, I can see the reason for that. If you have a more complex product, um, then it can be very useful to to have the engineering experience on that product before going into a DevRel role. Um, so I can see where that argument comes from as well. Okay, so you think they're suggesting to get a developer position at that company and then transfer within to a dev role? Yeah, I think that can be useful. Um, that could that's I know that's the traditional path to take. Um, so it's definitely a useful one to take for for the reason of learning the product before you create content around the product. Gotcha. Okay, so that's a traditional role, but it doesn't necessarily but you could probably like be a user of the product and understand it pretty well as well, you know, without going into the engineering, right? Yeah. Um that is something as well. We actually did recently hire somebody at Dwala for um, part of our DevRel team that used the product before. That's pretty cool. Really good developer, but never was a developer on the team. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. So it sounds like there are a variety of different paths, but um, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a blend of essentially creating content, you care about the users, you care about the product, and you want to do some dev work, but not spend all day coding seems like a good blend um i feel like i have a pretty good feel of it i feel like you've given pretty good advice on even how to get into it and um because again i think that reputation of dev relations it it does have some reputation of it's not entry level friendly and it clearly is because you weren't traditionally um a software engineer i mean you were a technical coach yeah but um, that's not traditional software engineering for sure. Yeah. So, okay. Sounds promising. Yeah. I would also add that if going into a company straight up as a developer relations engineer, just expect there is going to be a learning curve. So like when I went into Dwala, it wasn't just learning about Dwala's products as a learning curve. It was also the whole landscape of account to account banking payments and whatnot. So I went in, they were really nice of me being useless for a couple of months. <laughs> um, and yeah, allowing me the space and room to grow and answered my million and one questions, but definitely expect the learning curve if going directly into DevRel into a company. Okay. I like it. Um, 
That's really good. Yeah, that's really good advice. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to add? Um, you don't have to. Just... Yeah, no, I'm good. Awesome. All right. I like to make sure because sometimes I just keep, you know, firing off questions and they're like, oh, I wish you would ask this. So I always give that chance at the end. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, seriously, Tarek, I, I do appreciate this. Hopefully this is helpful. Um, you know, let me know what you think of the comments. If you're even considering this type of position, if you feel like it's your fit, right? Um, but if people want to reach out to you and anything else you want to shout out, what would you like to share? Yeah. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to me, they can definitely reach out on LinkedIn. Um, and you can check out my blog as well. And I believe we can link them down below. I can link the blog in the description for sure. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, that's pretty much it. Um, let me know what you think of the episode. Seriously. I'm very curious. I want to continue exploring these positions and I can tell you, um, out of like all, at least out of most of the non-traditional software engineering positions, I've definitely, I used to have my eye on developer relations. I just didn't think it was accessible. Uh, but I do love creating content and I do love coding. So it's, it's a good blend for me, but let me know what you think about it for yourself. Um, seriously, Tarek, thanks so much for coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having me.